This is a call to those who want incredible success, but do not necessarily want to get filthy rich. You want to help others, be purposeful, and enjoy all life has to offer. Welcome to the Inbound Marketing Revolution. This is Dow of Inbound with Ion Garlic. Welcome to the Dial of Inbound. This is Ian Garlic, CEO of Authentic Web. And today's guest is another amazing one, a superstar, both in the fitness world and also the business world. Uh, he's got an amazing background, went from being sluggish and overweight CEO and executive, well, executive and business owner to ultra ripped, ultra healthy, and helping others, especially those entrepreneurs and CEOs, become better and become the best they can. Um, Thomas DeLauer, thank you for being here. Yeah, what's going on, Ian? Thanks for having me. I'm psyched. Thomas has spent the past couple of days at the Authentic Web headquarters, and we're talking about his project. He's out there to really help people, especially those business people, those entrepreneurs, the CEOs become better and become the best they can. And uh, he's been generous enough to give out his restaurant cheat sheet to us, which is critical because a lot of us have to go out to business lunches, travel a lot, and you never know what to eat. And it's always tough because you've had a long day. So you go to Dow of Inbound, um, you go to iongarlic.com slash restaurant cheat sheet and you can download that right there uh, Thomas tell me a little bit about your background I mean we've talked about it a lot but you have extensive background I keep learning more and more yeah yeah no so uh my, my background is pretty interesting I mean it's started when I was born <laughs> no. but uh realistically I mean what everyone really wants to hear in terms of my story and what got me into what I do now and what my relevant background is um, I come out of the healthcare space. I was a healthcare admin. I was in, uh, started as an executive recruiter. I was one of the, the actually nation's top performing executive recruiters. And, uh, back in, shoot, back in 2009 to 2012 <laughs> and had a lot of success within that industry, within the long-term acute care industry and the, the acute care hospital systems placing top level CEOs and top level corporate CEOs for those organizations. And it was within that realm that I really started understanding success. And I started having a lot of success in my life. And when I started having success in business, I, at that point in time, I let other aspects of my life go and meaning my health, my family, and I was fixated on money and, um, I was good at it. I was good at making money and I was obsessed with it. And I really let the important components of my life go. And people warned me, people told me that you should find balance. You should always find balance. But I didn't like the word balance because I thought that it meant I'd have to tone my life down and I didn't want to do that. Um, but one day something happened between, you know, my wife getting a, a diagnosis for some pretty severe autoimmune disease and then my dad being diagnosed with cancer within the same, same two week period. And I saw that sort of as a sign that something needed to change, but I wasn't willing to take time away from my career, from my, my business. And I wanted to really optimize myself in every way possible, really to just be able, my, my goal at that time was I want to live 
a long life so that I can continue to make money my entire life. I really, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, at that point in time, I had a passion for making money. I loved it. And I wanted to be able to do that for a long time, but I wanted to provide and provide an amazing uh, life for my wife and my family at the time. So it sort of got me on a, a journey of, of refinding my health, re-identifying who I was. And I had always been an athlete growing up and started going down that, that route. And I realized that my own production, my own personal production within my world as an executive recruiter grew almost, almost twofold. I mean, my, my book of business almost doubled within a year just by getting in shape. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm onto something here. And it wasn't long before I kind of grew out of the executive recruiter role and took the really a lot of the information, the knowledge that I had built there and, and started a company with one of my partners that was ended up being the one of the largest ancillary service providers to medical groups and doctor's offices around the country. Um, sold that off to a private equity firm and, and kind of grew from there. Uh, as that business was coming to an end, I was really enjoying getting in even better shape and for lack of a better term, got super ripped and ultimately ended up on the cover of Ironman magazine and a couple other magazines as a fitness model, more so because of my story and what I've come from. But that's where I got to where I am today. And now I realize that I can translate that journey that I went on into to other people. I can pass it on to other people and really train them about optimizing what they do in every aspect of their life to enhance another aspect of their life. And you know, one of the things that really resonated with me and Thomas's story is not so much. And when I first met Thomas, it, it, you know, when I met you was that you weren't just about being ripped. It was also about, you know, optimizing brain. You know, I had the two o'clock drop off where I'm like two o'clock after and I felt like I was going to just collapse no matter what I ate. It felt like and uh, you gave me a few tips and that worked out. And, you know, since then, you know, I've been feeling better and better. And I think that health aspect and translating into business it, 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 and also translating into performance in business all around is fantastic. And, um, you know, one of the things that also is important to me that you that resonated was that your health is and and your fitness and just your overall demeanor is such a part of your marketing and and can you tell me a little bit what your view is on that and i and some of the things that probably people don't think about yeah i mean no matter what business you're in no matter what industry whether you're a marketer whether you're a ceo whether you're you know someone in operations your fitness your your health I mean, it, it is at your core and it, it becomes who you are. I mean, it's your, it is your vehicle, your means of making business and you can never lose sight of that. But when it comes specifically to marketing, I mean, how you feel all the way down to even how you look as superficial as it sounds can make a big impact on how people perceive you simply based on how you perceive yourself. You're confident, you feel good. You know, you're, you're making progress in the gym. You're making progress in the kitchen. You're, you're having success. You feel good because of that. Well, that translates into all kinds of things at home. You know, your, your, your wife loves on you more, your, your spouse, your family loves you more. And it's everything just feels good. Well, then you have an aura about you and that confidence that just shines through in marketing. And we all know in the marketing world that, you know, perception is reality. And if you have that real solid, true perception of health, vitality and energy, people are going to be attracted to that plain and simple. 
Yeah. And we'd like to think, I think we'd like to think that that isn't the case. That it shouldn't be the case. Why do you think that is? Oh, I think we, we easily shut that out because it's easier. It's, it's easier to not focus on something that actually requires a little bit of physical effort. It's easier to focus that we, it doesn't matter what we look like. And part of it is we're told that all the time. And it isn't about how you look. It's more about how you feel, but it's more about how you look in the sense of your glow, your energy. And we like to sort of turn that off because we continually tell ourselves that, well, it doesn't matter what I look like. It's, you know, it's only on the inside. And that's true up to a point. But I feel like we, we get wrapped up in this kind of perpetual vicious cycle of that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's true. But I think also there's an, another aspect that you were mentioning before that it's not just what you look like, but this, this, how you portray yourself and how you stand up. And also like even just your mental capability as it relates to your health and, and how you market yourself. I mean, uh, what, what do you feel? How do you feel sharpness translates in, in the business world and in, in the marketing aspect? Oh, I mean, clarity, clarity is everything. I mean, it, when was the last time? I and mean, can you remember a point in your life where just everything felt so clear? And if you can go back in time and go back and remember that point, and just if you can find one point in time where you're like, wow, I was thinking so clear. I was articulating well. Everything was just rolling off my tongue. Things were happening. Deals were closing left and right. Well, it's not just a coincidence. You know, a lot of times when you're in that right frame of mind and you feel like that, yeah, I mean, you're, you're in the right space to start to make the right decisions that allow you to succeed. And also, um, besides making those decisions, what about, uh, you know, the mental connections that we make? How does, how does health affect that? Does it affect that? I mean, I'm assuming it does. You, you know, like if we go up and, and I'm clearer, I, I have a healthier presence, but also a healthier way of thinking when I meet someone, how am I, how is that interpreted by another person? I think on a a very subconscious level, people pick that up, but I think so much of that comes down, it comes down to confidence in one, on one hand. But when you're, you're, you're not thinking clearly when you're using that prefrontal cortex, when you're like really logically thinking and relationships are not a logical thing. You don't meet someone and you may make a couple of decisions based on, on logic using your cortex, but for the most part, you go by your gut feeling on somebody. You go by how you, how that situation or that relationship is feeling. So when you're authentic, and I, I love the use of that word in this case, because I mean, when you're truly authentic with yourself, because you're feeling good, because you're optimized, because your brain is firing on all cylinders, other people just instinctually pick up on that. And the energy is good. I mean, physically and literally, the energy and the electrical impulse to your brain is stronger. And we all operate on electrical channels. So we, other people pick that up. You ever been around someone that's just got a good energy? I mean, you say that it's like someone's just yeah, got a yeah, yeah. good energy. I mean, that's, that's a real thing. Yeah. And so when it comes to this, you know, obviously we got to work out. We've got to eat better. That makes sense. But to the normal person, what are the big fallacies that you think that they have in that fitness and diet that's preventing them from being able to have the the physical presence and the mental presence that they could to have that good energy? That it takes a lot of time. 
you know, it's not so because it's not so much about time. It's more just about flat out commitment. Uh, the other fallacies, I mean, there's so many out there, but you know, most people just don't think they're capable of it. They think they don't have the genetics. They think they don't have that. They're not hardwired for it. They think that they are so focused on one thing that they don't have time to take on another thing. Uh, they also don't think that they have the bandwidth, the ability to multitask. And that's just then we'll get into that in a little bit, but it's not really multitasking because it really is unified. Uh, but I'd say those are the biggest ones. If people think they don't have enough time, they convince themselves that they don't have the ability, whether it be genetically or whatever the case may be. But I'd say those are probably the top two. Um, and how can someone get over that? I mean, what, what do you think the best ways to get over that are and get, get past that, that those mindsets? Yeah. I mean, I actually call it the acting on the good optimization. So it's like you take one step, one good challenging step towards optimizing yourself and feeling better. And the chain of events just kind of happens. And you just have to be aware of it and you have to be in tune with it. A good example is you decide one morning that you're going to go for a run. You haven't run in a long time. You feel amazing after your jog. So that triggers you to have a green smoothie. And that triggers you to be aware of what you're eating later in the day. Well, that triggers you to feel good. And that triggers you to treat your employees with respect. Then your employees feel good and your employees work harder. And then your employees work harder and you make more money. And then you make more money and you come home and you provide for your wife. You buy her flowers and you feel good at home. Then you come home and your sex life is good. And then you get up the next morning. I just call it the chain of optimization because you just, you did one thing, but you have to be aware of it. The second that you're disconnected from what you're doing, the second that you're disconnected from making that, that change and you, it's become just a pattern and not a reality. You know, you know what I mean with that? Mm-hmm. That's where it becomes an issue. You just have to be accepting of what you're doing. I'm making a change and then aware of the chain that happens after that. That's how it all begins with one simple thing. I love that. And the one simple thing, I think the awareness is so important, but I think another thing that you said is the change versus optimization. And another thing I've heard you say before is, is this optimization term and we've discussed it and it's, you know, I think a lot of people look at the change as having to give something up instead of just improving what's there. Um, what do you think is the thing that people think they have to get rid of the most that they really don't have to? Honestly, themselves. They think they have to abandon who they are. And the fitness world, I can at least speak for that, is flooded with the word transformation. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I don't like the word transformation because I like to be the best possible version of myself as, you know, cliche as that may sound sometimes. It's, you know, we, we can't, you can't tell someone that you're going to transform them. That's like coming in and telling them that you're going to change what they've been doing for the last 40 years. That's just not going to fly. They may say it on the surface and they may say they want a new beginning, but how many things are really going to change in their life? What percentage of their life is really going to change in terms of what they do from day to day? You know, probably not a gigantic amount of things, you know, on the surface, sure, they're going to eat better, but so, we just, we can't be approaching this with a side of trans, you know, the, the phrase of transformation. It's all about bettering yourself, being the best version of yourself. And then from there, you know, the rest is kind of history. That's, that's fantastic. And it, it's, it's so true. I mean, I, I think you never kind of get rid of that. You can't get rid of it. You can pay attention to it, be aware of it. Um, it, 
when it comes to your overall philosophy on optimizing, and if I'm an executive and optimizing myself, um, I mean, how would you sum it up? What would you say is uh, the critical few words that, or few sentences that someone that's an executive needs to be thinking? Yeah, I think uh, simply put, you know, you need to, <clears throat> excuse me, you need to be aware of what's going in your body so that you can be aware of everything else in life. The second that you start understanding what you're putting in your body and how it directly affects how you think, that's it. You're, you're aware of it. You know, it's to, to really sum it up. It's like you're, you're, you're kicking ass in business. You're kicking ass in successful business endeavors. You're kicking ass in making money. Why can't you kick ass in all other aspects of your life? And that's usually what resonates with people. And, you know, we haven't gotten too technical on this, but you have some technical things that, you know, you, you discuss. Obviously, nutrition, technical movement, uh, technical way of thinking. Um, if there, you know, can you tell me a few of the big technical aspects that people need to, to optimize in their life when it's, you, know, you talk about that discipline? Like, may, you know, what's going in their body technically? What should be changing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's such a wide variety of that, but by and large, I'm a huge proponent of convincing the body to run on fats for fuel. You know, when we're talking, technically speaking, when you prime your body to run on fats, your, your brain is happier, your brain is firing more. And then as we've discussed, once your brain is firing better, then it's easier to make the better decisions later on. Uh, you know, technically speaking, it's also just a matter of, fat yielding more calories per gram, giving you more energy and sort of having a different way of looking at it. Stop looking at food from calories in versus calories out and looking at food as to how it can help you achieve the task at hand. You know, think in the present. Think think about what you're eating now for what you're going to do in the next five minutes, not what you're going to do tomorrow. You know, it's uh, it, suddenly by coming into the present with what you're eating makes things way, way easier. And... Uh, is, is there a hack or something that you, you have to, to come in the present when you're eating? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, it's, it's a little bit funny, but I close my eyes for a couple seconds before I eat and I actually think about the visualization process of what I am eating is going to do to my body. Is what I'm about to eat going to enhance me or is it going to hinder me? And it's that simple. It's black and white. So if, my, if I'm eating some organic chicken breast or I'm drinking a, a smoothie and I know that it's going to benefit me uh, or I think it's going to benefit me. I close my eyes for a second. And I visualize what it's going to actually do because your body's not going to lie to you. I mean, your mind's not going to lie to you. The only time you convince yourself otherwise is on the surface. You know, deep down what's good and what's bad. You just need a little bit of guidance in terms of, you know, how to orient that throughout your life. So that's my favorite. It's just kind of the visualization side of things in terms of a hack. And, you know, I think when people hear visualization, I mean, visual, 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 I can't say it. To visualize something, uh, um, it, 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 it's important in every successful endeavor, from building the Empire State Building to being an Olympic athlete to hitting a great golf shot. And then we think that all oh, visualization is this mumbo jumbo. But I mean, and anyone that's successful, especially look at pro athletes, they'll tell you it's ultra, ultra critical. But you know, a lot of people think then, well, he just, you know. He's another, I, I, I want, you know, I think probably the most derogatory term would be like faith healer. 
but I think you have an incredible science background. And you're, you've, you've read a lot. And also, you know, you mentioned being on the cover of these magazines, but you write a lot for them. So, you know, you write a lot and, and, and these magazines look to you as an, as an expert in the nutrition. Can you tell me a little bit about the science, the, the, the big science that you've read lately that's affecting the way you eat and the way you train and the way you optimize your life? Yeah. I mean, most recently, I mean, there's a lot of evidence coming into running on your body, running on ketone bodies, you know, which are basically when you're convincing yourself to run on fat, like I've explained, there's also a lot of, you know, emerging science now as it pertains to anti-inflammatory foods and reducing the inflammation within your body. That's been one that's been big for me. I've been doing a, reading a lot of research journals on that simply because of my wife's condition and the effect of inflammation on the body and the effect of not being able to absorb nutrients because of your inflammation and just what happens when your body doesn't absorb nutrients. I mean, it's, it, that's where I get into the whole thing where it's so much more than calories in versus calories out because it doesn't matter if you're eating a lot of calories. If your body's not absorbing them, you're not utilizing them. It doesn't matter. So that's been some really interesting study. And you know, there's also been another uh, German study that was relatively recent that was talking about uh, related to visualization. And then there's, <clears throat> there's another one, I think actually it was a German study as well. It was kind of the free throw study. And I mentioned this to you the other day where they took, I think it was 100 athletes, I think it was 100, and they took 50 of them or 30 of them did visualization where they just imagined shooting a free throw. And then another 30 visualized or did nothing. They didn't visualize at all. And then I think another 40 actually did the free throw. They actually practiced the free throw. And those that did the free throw shot had the most success in terms of improvement over the course of about a month. The ones that didn't practice didn't get much result at all, but the ones that visualized it got a ton. And this all related down again, down to the diet again. And one of the recent journals that I was reading as well, sort of related the same food concept to that study. Yeah, visualizing how your body's utilizing food is so key. Visualizing how your body's absorbing food is so key. And how your body is going to perceive that and how your, how your mind is going to perceive what you eat in terms of the inflammatory response. And these are all, you know, new, newer studies that are coming out where people are kind of making the connection between visualization and food. But by and large, I think the inflammatory aspect of our diets and genetically modified foods is probably one of the biggest things right now. And, and you know, GMOs, genetic, genetically modified foods, um, you've talked a lot about how they're taking away from the nutrition. And I've heard you, t you talk about, um, that, you know, is there a lot of science behind that? There's some interesting science on it. And a lot of it is still kind of being ironed out. And a lot of it's being swept under the rug because there's some, some serious money behind genetically modified foods, of course. But, and I don't ever want to come across counting totally one sided. But one thing that is absolutely certain is when foods are genetically modified, our bodies don't understand what they are so when you let's say for example you have some genetically modified soy well your body knows what soy is you know you can't beat a thousand years or thousands of years of evolution with that you know it knows how to digest soy but when it's been completely modified to the point where there's additional components added to it or dna is actually structured differently well our bodies have to adapt to that and that adaptation takes time so we eat that food and our bodies are shocked by it. Our bodies don't know what's really happening, what we're eating. 
So therefore, it's going to trigger a response as if that food was a foreign body, as if that food was something completely foreign that it's not used to. It's like you just ingested Windex in, in that sense. So your body says, okay, well, what is this food that just came into the system? And it triggers the natural immune response where your body's going to create antibodies. Your body's, and the antibodies are going to go and they're going to attack what you just ate because it's something it doesn't recognize. Once it does that, that triggers the whole inflammation thing again. And as I was talking about inflammation, so inflammation is caused usually by that immune response. So the genetically modified foods, in effect, cause inflammation, which causes an immune response, which therefore prevents you from absorbing nutrients. When you're not absorbing nutrients, your cortisol levels go up. When your cortisol levels go up, you gain fat. So, I, I mean, I hope you've proven to everyone here, I mean, obviously they can do their own research, that you, you know what you're talking about from a science basis. So let's talk from a business basis and a marketing basis. And even, let's say, you know, I, I talked on a previous show about, you know, nonprofits. And a lot of people are like, well, I'm not a business guy. Um, so I'm not marketing. I'm not in sales. But how important, uh, well, you know what's even better? How much, how many more, how much more results can you get out of your life? Do you think from being optimized, from having this healthy optimization, from having a better day? What kind of results do you think people can get? Um, you know, let's talk even dollars and cents. Yeah. Let's talk dollars and cents. What, uh, you know, what dollar results could an executive get or even non-executive get from being healthier? If I'm an employee. Yeah. I break it down to, to focus and your focus level. I think most of us know that focus is extremely important. So if you can maximize the amount of time that you're focused each day and quantify how much more you're going to get done in that focus. So let's just say that you can get two hours of focus per day, more so than you're already getting just by optimizing yourself. Um, I mean, lots of studies have shown that when you're multitasking, you're about 50% less effective. I mean, you're half as effective as you are when you're focused. So if you can get your brain to the point where it's thinking clearly, where you're thinking clearly and you're feeling good and you're not multitasking, you're actually able to focus and you're able to get into that zone a lot quicker. I mean, it's, it's hard to even measure how much you can improve, but if you were to just get two hours of pure focus per day, I mean, really visualize that for lack of a better term again, what you could get done in two hours of just pure focus. And let's, I mean, in dollars and cents, the way I've explained it before is if, even if you make $200 an hour and you just round that out, and you're making $200 an hour in typical, excuse me, not holding the microphone close enough. If you're making $200 an hour in multitasking mode at 50% effectiveness, and then you go being focused, you're making effectively $400 an hour because you're not in multitasking mode, right? So right then and there, if you get two more hours and you make an extra $400 per day, I mean, do the math. That adds up right there. I mean, so whatever extra little money you may spend on buying organic foods or eating healthy, I mean, you're going to get that return on investment immediately. I mean, almost immediately. And that's, that's the easiest way to quantify it and put it into numbers. I mean, if you can't really put a price on your own focus and how much you get done when you're focused. And I think a lot of business people haven't experienced true focus in so long that they forget how amazing and productive it is. I love it. So, Let's talk about even a simple thing like the restaurant checklist, the restaurant cheat sheet. Um, you know, going out to eat is, we all love to go out to eat. It, it's easier. Sometimes it's necessary because we're out in a business meeting. Tell me, how does the restaurant cheat sheet 
work? How does, how does it help someone? Yeah, totally. So I, I developed that little cheat sheet just because I remember what it was like not having to, not knowing what to eat when I went out to eat with clients. And it was, it was so difficult because you're always in this position where you're, you feel like you, you have to, you're going out to eat with these guys and you can't just order something lame. Like you just can't just get like a side salad or you can't not go out to eat because it's looked down upon and it can sometimes kill a deal. I mean, you just have to go there. And it used to frustrate the heck out of me when I was tr- finally trying to make a change that, okay, like, what do I eat? But over the years, as I've learned more and more and I've researched more and more and I've become an expert in this, I developed a little cheat sheet that says basically, okay, you're going out to eat here. You're going out to eat at X genre of food. Maybe you're going out to Thai food. Maybe you're going out to a steakhouse. Maybe you're going out to Mexican food. And it all varies from restaurant to restaurant. But you know, you need to have an indicator of what you can order from that menu that's not going to completely sabotage every effort that you're making to be better, but at the same time, not make you look like you're completely on a diet because it's not so much about what the other person thinks. It's more about what you think the other person thinks, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And there's such a social uh, stigma to the dieting for, for men and also just ordering the right thing when you're out to be masculine and let's order a baked steak and a loaded baked potato. Oh, you order a salad. Ha ha ha. Um, so if someone wants to get that, iongarlic.com slash restaurant cheat sheet, um, uh, or restaurant guide. I think we got it at both places. You can get it also if you just look up, uh, the podcast. We'll link to it as well. It's free. It's awesome. Pretty much any type of restaurant. Thomas, I'm glad you've been here today. I got a few more questions for you. Um, what's your, your favorite quote? Well, the, probably the one that's tattooed on my shoulder. Which it's, an, it's an old Nike quote. So it's, uh, money doesn't wait atop the hill. Glory doesn't wait atop the hill. All that waits atop the hill is the top of the hill. In other words, just do it. Take action. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. And what's your favorite book? Oh, wow. You know, it's going to be the one that launched me into everything that I've done. I read it when I was 14 years old, and that's The Magic of Thinking Big. And tell me a little bit about that book. Uh, it's title describes it pretty well. It's all about you know, really focusing on an end result, focusing on an end goal and never losing sight of that. And we know as business owners, we know as business people that goal setting and visualization is so important. And the magic of thinking big doesn't really talk too much about visualization, but it talks more about just never losing sight of that irrefutable end and that irrefutable goal that is your destiny and what you want to do with your life. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on. Um, I'm going to do a series of mindset mornings, my first mindset mornings with Thomas. Uh, look forward to them. Uh, they'll be coming up very soon, and it'll be five minutes of help to improve your mindset every morning because the morning is, is ultra-critical time to get ready to improve your day, to help others out, to do big things, but you're, you have to have the right mindset. So, Thomas, thanks a lot for being Thomas Allower, OptimizeCEO.com. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.